Hi friends, good news for you is that I actually updated an episode on time this week. And even better news is that I have a super fun guest. And even better news than that is that we talked a lot about pasta and Italy, which for me is pretty much as good as it gets. I talked to Nadia Mano, who you may recognize as the Pasta Queen, if you are one of her 3.2 million followers on TikTok. Me and Nadia talked European hotspots, her career before becoming your beloved foodie queen, and what she has coming next. So please join me in welcoming the one, the only, Pasta Queen, also known as the lovely Nadia. So, hello, and thank you for coming on. I'm really excited to talk to you. Awesome. Me too. You look gorgeous, by the way. Your dress and everything. (laughs) Yeah, I'm about to shoot a recipe, so I'm all ready. Pasta queen ready. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, I am just podcast ready, so. (laughs) You look gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you. So we chatted back, I was looking back, it was in February over the phone. That seems like forever ago, but you were headed to the South Beach Wine and Food Festival? Yes, that was amazing. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it was so long I, ago. I, that was the first time they had FoodieCon. And uh, it was a, a smashing um, success. And um, it was also exported to the New York Wine and Food Festival, which I was a part of. Oh, yeah, fun. in October. So that was nice. That's so fun. I'm always attending those food festivals and eating probably way too much. But. Tell me about <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to get into your food background. I was reading through your website and learning how to cook as a little girl with your nana while watching telenovelas, which oh, is yeah, so cute. Absolutely. What's the earliest memory you have of cooking and genuinely loving So as you probably know, I, I come from a long line of pasta makers. So when I, mm-hmm. when I was a little kid, I was born in Rome, but then my parents moved uh, on my grandfather's farm. And I spent between the ages of two years old to almost six years old with my grandparents on the farm. And so I, as far as I can remember, the first time I I can remember, it probably happened even earlier than that, but I was about five years old making gnocchi on these really old pasta board with my nonna Caterina, which I'm named after, and um, going to the land, going harvesting wheat and different type of crops and making wine. So, you know, your typical Italian family, but make it a little extra with the fact that we were in the farming industry. My grandfather was the deputy mayor of this little village, and he was also the president of the Agricultural Association for the region of Campania, um. which, which is where Naples, basically is the region where Naples is the capital. 
Okay. And so because of the land that have been in our family since the late 1700s, we have provided crops and produce to the entire region. In the 1800s specifically, there was this little pasta factory, even before machinery and the big industries mm -hmm. started. Um, my family started this business, which was first to feed their families. But because of the amount of land and wheat they had, they started providing for the village. And then, as if that wasn't enough, the flour was then given to also other pasta factories in that area. And you have, you know, the city of Pasta of Gragnano, which is about 20 minutes away from where my grandparents live. And so mm -hmm. we have been in this wheat agricultural industry forever. So as far as we can track it back, uh, we have been doing that mm -hmm. as a family. Wow, that's incredible. My family is from Calabria, but I haven't been. Well, Calabria is so. absolutely beautiful. Um, funny is enough, it? I have a cousin from Calabria. And their their food style, their their ingredients are very genuine. The seaside is gorgeous. Really, one of the most gorgeous all over Italy. Really? Yes, one of the most gorgeous. You can ask Italians. Calabria is totally a hidden gem that people don't usually know to go but the italians they know know to go there <laughs> i didn't yeah that's the one place i didn't get to visit that in puglia i heard puglia running oh, puglia is amazing i was there in may so really i got to see um my side of the family uh -huh. which is you know when i when i was a little kid my parents separated uh, my mom went back to Rome okay. and my dad, you know, started a relationship with my stepmother, my now stepmother, mm -hmm. who is from Puglia. Oh. So they ended up buying this, you know, your typical pointed oh, um, nice. homes and we would spend the summers there. In, uh, in this piece of land with olive trees and, it, you know, right by the seaside. Uh -huh. It's one thing I love about Puglia, like you have the farms and the, and the land ending right on the rocks. Oh. So you'll have all olive trees that kind of borderline with the coastal. It's a coastal region. Oh, that's how it's all on the coast, you know? Yeah. So they have the most amazing extra virgin olive oil. Oh, I believe that. So good. And then you drink a little extra virgin olive oil and then you dive into the sea. <laughs> hey, that sounds like heaven for me right there. <laughs> it, it really is heaven. I think that that's why Italy is so loved um, because the, the towns are so varied and you can have mountains, you can have hills, you can have coastal towns, you have volcanoes, you have the most amazing soil because of the volcanoes. Mm -hmm. And it's so rich. The land, the soil is so enriched okay. and the food tastes so good because of it. Right, exactly. I So lemon trees, that would be kind of all mafikos and then the olive trees are 
Yeah, you have Amalfi, Sorrento Peninsula. Yeah. That's where you have your greatest, juiciest lemons, mm -hmm. you know, the famous giant lemons. There are a lot sweeter than the ones I've tasted in the U.S. because of, again, the, the composite yes. soil mineral content and like everything is made with lemons. I was in Sorrento in June and I went to to visit a friend of a friend of a, my Michelin star chef friend that lives there. Oh, love. Brought me to the oldest lemon grove of Sorrento. Wow. And they have these shops where they make everything with lemons, soap bars, lotions, um, liqueurs, cookies, cakes, uh, pasta with lemons, everything. Oh, so it's, it's such a treat to have to see these ingredients used in so many different ways. Oh, yeah, I know. I, when I was there, I had a lemon risotto. Risotto is that's kiss. So good. So good. It is. Yeah, I have a, a lemon risotto I'm working on, too. Ooh. It's delicious. I'll look out for it. Or is that what you're recording after this? <laughs> no, today I'm shooting a recipe which will be out in a couple of weeks, which is to do, uh, it's like a pasta soups with mussels and beans. Oh, very I love unusual, very Southern Italian, mm -hmm. very, you know, um, yeah, very special to me because of it's a classic from where I'm from. Do you go back to visit every summer? Yeah, I try to go in the spring and the fall. Do not go in the summer. Yeah, it's so hot. You know, they, they, the locals will know. And it, as you know, you might have heard, Italy shuts down in the, at the end of July until the beginning of September because okay. of such high temperatures. So uh, many, many shops in town are shut down. Nobody works because the heat is so intense, especially in the southern parts of Italy, because we are so close to North Africa. We get the Sahara Desert winds oh, wow. and heat waves. And so, you know, the Italians just don't work and they tend to go outside in their, you know, summer homes by the coastal towns, you know? Okay. Yeah, I spent last summer there and I left right in the beginning of July, but it was getting to hundreds of degrees and I did not have air yeah. <laughs> yeah, down I spent I the my last time I did that I I was in Puglia and I mm -hmm. ended up visiting my grandmother uh, Miguelina there and mm -hmm. it was end of July, beginning of August, and it got to 46 Celsius, which is probably 120 or oh. 100. Let me just have a look. I'm very curious, but it's very, very hot. And I had my baby with me. Oh. She was only six months. And the Italians are not so into air conditioning. Like I've learned. <laughs> They use these like really like old fans mm -hmm. that really don't do nothing. Yep. But they're so used to the heat 
that they can survive, but I will never spend another summer in the South again. No. It's dangerously high heat. <laughs> I remember there was a heat wave and I was staying in Airbnb for a few months. And he goes, oh, I left you guys fans outside because we don't have air conditioning. The fans did absolutely nothing. I was just dripping sweat. No. <laughs> it's worse because it circulates hot hair. Yeah, it's worse. <laughs> Not great. Not great. <laughs> no, not at all. I will never do that again. But I do love Italy. <laughs> so I'll just yeah, go back. Like my, my, my tip would be to go between the months of April and May. Okay. You could push it to the beginning of June up to, to mid-June and then you have to get out. Yeah. And then I would go again end of September to beginning of November. Perfect weather. All right. My sister's studying abroad there next semester, so I'll have to visit her. Perfect timing. Was there a staple recipe that you often made with your grandma since you're kind of cooking with her a lot? So my grandma being a Neapolitan, mm -hmm. The, the biggest things I would say are the meat sauces and the ragus. Okay. So ragu is just basically a braising of meats and vegetables for long hours. Okay. It really is a feast of flavors and ingredients together that are cooked for a long time. So I would... I would say what I, my biggest takeaway is the bubbling sounds of mm. these meat sauces that cook for hours. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say my meat sauce, my lasagna, Oof. my pasta bakes with the meatballs, um, but also the braciole, ragu, I don't know if you know, but mm -hmm. it's like a, a meat roll that kind okay. of cooks in tomato sauce for a long time so that that, ro that meat roll is usually either veal or beef in my family. In Puglia, they also use other type of meats, which I will not be discussing because okay. it can put people off. But okay. um, it's that really tenderizing of the meat by the long cooking process. And that's really like the grandma style Neapolitan way, this very gorgeous, tender, melting in your mouth, meat sauces that, that are to die for. I know, that sounds incredible. I feel like I always end up just opting for a bolognese because it's so easy and it doesn't take as long. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, you know, a bolognese, you can, you can, um, is it here in America? Anything meaty sauce is called bolognese. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, uh, I've noticed that. Said ragu. But uh, yeah. bolognese itself is a is a, like a registered recipe in right. the region of Emilia Romagna, and it has to. It calls for specific ingredients which must be employed for it to be called bolognese. They are so. They're so passionate about mm -hmm. it that they've registered 
in the town um, as a sauce, an ingredient list that cannot be messed with. Now, wow. in any other parts, every other family, obviously, they have their own meat sauce, mm -hmm. which we call ragu, which, you know, every family has their own secret sauce, you know, that thing, secret mm -hmm. sauce. Uh, but yeah, so the Neapolitan sauces are very different than the Bolognese. Like in the Bolognese, you use milk, for example. And, um, okay. and you have to use specific ingredients, specific cuts of meats and all of that. But yeah, I would say that in America, the Bolognese is what we consider your family's Sunday sauce. Right. No, you're totally correct. Because I, when you said ragu, I was thinking those are interchangeable with bolognese, but it's totally different. Yeah. I mean, bolognese is considered a ragu sauce because ragu is really yeah. a method of cooking. It's right. like um, it, it really is this braised veggie and meat, usually that goes on for a long time, um, type of sauce. But then the bolognese has to be specific. Okay, I'm headed home for the holidays, and my dad has a lasagna ready and waiting, so I'm very excited. <laughs> my favorite, my favorite. I've been cooking for myself. I want him to cook for me too. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. I'll send you a picture of the lasagna. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. This might be an Italian American thing, but did you grow up eating pasta when you weren't feeling well? Oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely a very Italian thing that, okay. that that I'm glad that that continued as a tradition all over the world. I mean, Italian, Italian descendants, they they pastina is like the ultimate comfort food. It is. Pastina is like uh, you know, your antibiotic. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you got going on, physically and emotionally, Bastina can cure it all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was told growing up. So. It has to be true. Yeah, and every culture has their own, uh, you know, how would you say it? Their own, their own thing, their own, their own dishes, or even. Mm -hmm. I, I think that, I, you know, when you see, have you watched Jane the Virgin, which is one of my favorite TV shows? Ever? I haven't, but I know the plot. Yeah, so you got to watch it. I think I watched it five times over. Like, <laughs> I heard it's a good show. Yeah, because it's like the ultimate telenovela. Mm. Um, there's so many plot twists or whatever, but... I, I was just, there was one thing that happens all the time, and I think it's uh, they rub, vapor rub. Uh, whenever there's anything, even when they're like distressed emotionally or whatever, I mm. feel that I could relate to that with pastina. With pastina. <laughs> I honestly can't. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, you just put a little butter and Parmesan cheese, and it's. Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's the best. And, you know, like to me, my, my kids will have pastina even in the summer because they like it so much. Oh, so will I. I'll have it any time of the year. Exactly. Fixes all your problems. 
Yes. So what made you move to the States? You're in Florida now, right? Yes. So I was, at first, um, I lived in Rome. Um, My kids were born in Rome. I wanted to make sure that they were born in the same town. I was born, so it me to have them Mm -hmm. really connected to their, you know, where they came from, where I'm from, Mm -hmm. Um, and also really be around family. They were very little. I had my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. Everybody was Mm -hmm. involved. And then for work reason, my husband and I decided to move to the UK because he's British. So my kids, they're they're nationals of both countries. So uh, they're British. Uh, Yeah, we got them a British passport, even though they were born in Italy because of their dad and their grandparents. And so we ended up going to South London, which is where my husband is from. We continued our marketing company. Uh, You know, we started working in Italy and then our clients were primarily English speaking because my husband and I, you know, he didn't speak as much Italian as he speaks now, but for him, it was impossible to work Right. <laughs> with Italian speaking clients because it was it wasn't his primary language. So we moved to London, um, to South London, um, in the countryside. So I lived in East Sussex, which I absolutely adore. It's like you know where you know the story of Winnie the Pooh? Mm-hmm. We lived by Winnie the Pooh's bridge, which is oh. what inspired the, the the writer to write that story. So you get imagine oh. it's like a fairy tale in the in the English countryside, and I felt for the kids it was so good to be outside of the hustle of the city, but very close to London. Like you can get to London right. in thirty minutes. So for work, we worked with like several London-based companies and we were partner with several London-based companies. And then, you know, within a year or so, we got clients on the East Coast and there were very big accounts, probably the Mm -hmm. biggest accounts that we've ever had uh, as entrepreneurs um, in our own business. And we decided that it was a smart business move to move to America. So we had to do a whole process of opening a franchise office, getting our business visas. It took a, it took months and months and months to get that going, move the entire family. And, you know, my, my husband's had lived in the Tampa Bay area with his mom when he was a kid with his parents, both. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he still had childhood friends in this area. We came and visited with the kids. And I can tell you, when I went to the Gulf of Mexico and it was March, (laughs) I remember March, 2015, I brought the kids. We went from England. It was freezing in March, still freezing. Mm -hmm. We came to Tampa Bay. We got the kids to the to the beach, to the coastal part with the Gulf of Mexico. Uh It was the most gorgeous sunset I've ever seen. Oh, their sunsets are incredible. I was like, the breeze 
was the same temperature of my body, even mm-hmm. at 11 p.m. at night. The, the kids were outside playing in the water. And I looked at myself. I'm like, now I have to go back to England. And uh-huh. although I love my gorgeous Ashdown forest, mm-hmm. I could never take the kids out because it was so yeah. cold and always rainy. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think it's good for the kids to live indoor all the time because it's that cold. And I have a, my husband is like a Viking type because of his heritage, he's Anglo-Saxon. And he loves the cold weather. But I, having Mm -hmm. been born and raised in the south of Italy, I'm a total Mediterranean, high heat tolerant and very low cold tolerance. Like I, I get really sad when it's too cold. Yeah, so do I. I moved to the West Coast from the East Coast. Yeah. And I have to go back now and I'm, I'm going to be freezing. Yeah. <laughs> and the sun factor, the amount of sunshine where we mm. lived, you know, in the UK, was the, the, it was primarily gray skies the entire year. For me, the sun is life and it's like what gives life to everything, right? Right. It affects your mood. It's so, and I later found out there's studies that confirm Mm -hmm. like the lack of sun and the moods of people. And I'm like, babe, we gotta go. We gotta go to Florida. (laughs) This is gorgeous. Oh, so pretty. Yeah, my grandparents used to live in Florida, but I still have some family right near Tampa. And I specifically remember one sunset that was just so magical and colorful and vibrant. And I don't think I'll ever forget it. It That's was just right. so pretty. It's so pretty. And the fact that you can stay like on the beach up to the early hours of the morning and the and the and the mm-hmm. water temperature is always kind of warm yeah i was i've never i've only seen it in the movies as an italian because i we we get the movies about america and and you know mm-hmm. i've seen a lot of tv shows with the florida sunsets and it was only a movie when i came here i was like this is like a movie for me with the palm trees and and the pink sun and the mm-hmm. pink flamingos, I was this is like a postcard, and I was like, <laughs> you know, and you know we could have gone to New York because of where mm-hmm. our clients were based, uh, but then okay. I was like, New York for the kids, it's too chaotic and it's it's not. I just felt that it, coming from you know, Rome, eye pollution, traffic all the time, chaos, like, you know, like it's an aggressive town, Rome. It's very similar to New York. And I was like, I don't want that. I don't want that for the kids. Yeah, no, it's it's good for them to be outside. You say Florida is a postcard. Everyone thinks Italy is a postcard too. (laughs) (laughs) It's the opposite for us. Yeah. So you were originally were in marketing and then you got into TikTok because you because of your daughter, she was on it and you were kind of 
looking at it and then you saw a quote for a bowl of lasagna I was reading for your website. Yeah, that was actually my first viral video, me reacting to a very badly made lasagna. And I remember okay. getting a million views for me, obviously getting on TikTok, I had, I don't know, mm -hmm. a few dozen followers. No, sorry, like mm -hmm. a, maybe I probably had 10,000, 20,000 followers by then. That's a good amount. Yeah, I, I was doing, actually, you know, if I have to remember correctly, I think I got to 20,000 because of that video started going mm. viral. And at that time, when you, even if you had one, I don't know if you remember this, but even if you had just one viral videos, comparatively, the amount of followers you get on TikTok when you start going viral is the highest I've ever seen of any other platform. Yeah. Like if you yeah, have just shoot. viral, you can get hundreds of thousands of followers. And so mm -hmm. I remember like my first lasagna going viral and, and my followers going up in the tens of thousands. And then I was like, yeah. oh my God, like people actually really, really love this type of content. They love Italian food. They love foodies. They, and, and I didn't know that at that time because all I could see was the dancing. There was a lot of friends, <laughs> you know, like doing trends, yes, songs and audios. And I had not come across a lot of creators at that time who actually created original content. It was pretty much trends based on music, dance, little routines with Charlie D'Amelio, obviously dominating the dance. Mm -hmm. and, um, and I was like, oh my God, I, I think that I don't need, I, I can do a totally my type of content. And I think it might go, it might go. I had this, I had this certainty and at that time I call it it was like virgin territory, you know? It was like mm -hmm. the conquest of Americas where you go and you, <laughs> and you like arrive with your horse and you're like, this is my land. <laughs> you did it I though. my Italian it. flag. I'm like, this is the pasta green land. <laughs> and, I, and I started creating videos. Now you have to understand that I don't think I can consider myself an overnight success because to me, mm -hmm. Pasta Queen is being a buildup of my knowledge, of my love for cooking, of my practicing in the kitchen, of my obsession with researching ingredients, with the building of my kitchen in my house. Here I am, I put a video out and I'm not just any other cook. I come from a long line of pasta makers. I cook the Italian food a certain way. I, and to me that all contributed in obviously the spread of it because it was, I think it was like a different POV on it. Yeah. Do you feel like, 
now that language culture that you're doing this is a little bit more represented because you kind of took that niche and ran with it. Yeah, you know, I am very flattered and very mm. and very proud when I see a lot of other Italian creators that have copied the format. Mm-hmm. And I obviously found the format that worked for right. me. And I then you had all the Italian kind of seeing, which is what social media is, you know, it's a place where you see and you're like, oh, that works. That trend is going viral. Hopefully they're tagging you if they're copying your format. I mean, some people, yeah, some people did at the very beginning. They're like, oh, pasta queen, creamy lemon spaghetti, or pasta queen, carbonara. And then they obviously worked for them. And the very close-up shots, the Mm in-your-face mixing, the, 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 like the sultry voice and dramaticness of it. I see a lot of other mm-hmm. creators from Italy or Italian-American that are doing that. But okay. I am also a person that gets inspired by others. So I, I think it's, it's that there's such a vast amount of people in the world mm-hmm. that I don't consider it... Sure. I'm like, let's go, guys. If you got your, your mm-hmm. recipe, great. Let's do it together. Let's collaborate. I'm more about collaborating than competing. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, like, I, you know, I go to Italy and I'm like, to my friend Max, let's go. Let's do a video. Or QCP, mm-hmm. let's do a video. Or whoever it is, you know, let's collaborate. Luca, right? Is San Luca, yeah. Yeah, yes, I remember. I loved him. Yeah, he's so fun. Funny as hell. And, um, (laughs) you know, we have done a few videos together. And uh, and I'm all about collaborating because to me, we we have a lot of content creators, you know, they have such a strong POV and it's great to show the, the, the mix of these different flair of content creators come together and it's so entertaining for everybody out there the audience that watches i i'm all about sharing and collaborating and loving and bringing more positive fun entertaining content out there you know yeah no that's a great way of looking at it i think you get a little bit unhealthy if you kind of turn to the competitive no, side. No, you have to, I've learned, like, you know, obviously I come, to, I, ca- I came to social media being a grown woman with kids, right. with kids, right? I have four kids. I became, yes. I became the pasta queen already as a mother of four kids and an um, entrepreneur that has done several companies. I learned in my life very sacred life lessons to me uh, that I try to inspire others. Uh, there is no competition. There is collaboration. There is collaboration mm-hmm. because there's so many people out there, 8 billion 
people in the world. And there's yeah. no scarcity of audiences. And everybody has their own POV. And everybody can bring something to the world. And everybody has a following or an audience that would love their content. Mm-hmm. And so that's many when you... people in the world. There's so many. Hopefully a bunch of them are listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm curious, actually, what you think of Americanized Italian dishes, like chicken parmesan. Do you think they kind of misrepresent Italian culture when people assume that it's Italian, or do you like those kind of dishes? Well, you see, I did a video about pineapple on pizza recently. Oh, okay. You know, it's not it's very controversial. There's a lot of opinions about it, and I tell you my POV on it. Okay. But to me, food, it tastes good to each culture based on tradition and what you've grown up eating. And it's, it's not so much whether it tastes good for your taste buds, it's also your mind and what you have been accustomed to combining as foods. Oh, you see, to me, that's very yeah. interesting. It's like Canadians, Hawaiians, they maybe grew up eating pineapple on pizza and then maybe they have memories as kids eating that with the people they loved. Mm-hmm. Their brain and mind, it for their brain and mind is right. For an Italian that was born and raised in Italy, it's not right because mm-hmm. we have not grow, we've not grown up eating that combination of flavors. Right, it's a sweet. Yeah, it doesn't mean that it could become it. It couldn't become a thing in time but it is not a tradition for us to combine pineapple and pizza. So it's kind of like your brain looks at it and goes, no, even before Mm -hmm. you don't even want to put it in your mouth. (laughs) And it's the same with the, with the chicken parmigiana for an Italian, they instantly go, oh, that's not right. But they haven't even tasted it. It might taste good, or it might become a thing with time, and it might develop into a tradition, which clearly for the American Italian cuisine it has. But for if you go to Italy and you ask a a mama, nonna, a restaurant to make you chicken parmigiana, they will instantly reject it Mm -hmm. because it's not something we are accustomed to. But I'm, I'm nobody good- to say that I want is good for you because you maybe your right. grandmother or your mother or you, you have created a recipe that you share with the people that you love and you've got a lot of memories with it. I don't. <laughs> right. I don't either. <laughs> good. <laughs> you see, for chicken alfredo, it's very interesting mm. because it's like 
there's I have seen I have been with fellow friends Americans and we've been at restaurants where they venture into asking for a chicken alfredo and the, the waiters I was gonna say alfredo. <laughs> get really angry or a cappuccino after lunch is blasphemous but it's not because mm-hmm. you know I get a lot of hate even from Italians like I drink cappuccino after I'm like great for you but if you go to a restaurant it's something that is not traditional we didn't grow up doing right. as a tradition it doesn't mean that it'll taste disgusting because a cappuccino is great but it's just mm-hmm. not tradition right I never really understood drinking cappuccinos later in the day because the point of it is kind of to start your morning. So I never, that never clicked with me. Yeah, I've started this old trend of pasta queen service announcements, which are called PQS. <laughs> I love it. Bring in the funny, like, side of things, right? Like, I know, you know, I kind of start thinking with, oh, I've been asked about this 1,500 times. I'm going to answer it with a video. I'm going to create a pasta queen service mm-hmm. announcement about it, right? And I've kind of collected in the last four years all the most frequently asked questions. And then I'll do a video about it, you know. And I and I was talking about the cappuccino, which went viral. I think it's, it was it was mm-hmm. like a hit, like I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw that. Twenty million views on Instagram and and it was featured in international newspapers in different countries really? yeah different countries all over the world i ended up on the radio in, in italy on the tv uh germany uh of course america buzzfeed did a whole thing yeah. on it it was it was like sensationalized because of the amount of people that come to italy and they have been they have been rejected by the italians about this and it's you know, it's the old thing of, you know, when something is new and violates a tradition, Italians Mm -hmm. are very traditional people and they're very slow to change their traditions. Yes. They're like very, very old fashioned and, you know. Slow in eating too, because they appreciate everything. It's definitely the, the land of slow food. Mm-hmm. I know. I appreciate that, though, because everything here is just so go, 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 go. It's nice to yeah. just relax. Yeah. I mean, I was a talking bit. about longevity across the world. You know, I, I, I love probably, had I not been pasta queen, I would, would have probably been a nutritionist slash healers. Because I grew up doing a lot of work with herbs and natural supplements and concoctions because of my grandmother and the shops we own in Italy because we have we have shops. Oh yeah, yeah, we have shops. Uh, They're called. It's a chain called the Witch. Okay. And they do. It's very much natural healing type things and natural supplements and holistic living. So I'm very much into ingredients. And, you know, that's why I talk a lot about the nutritional value of things, the properties of herbs, the properties of plants, 
why you don't use processed foods. I'm all about that, right? And Mm -hmm. I love also bringing that extra. For me, as you know, it's all about the ingredients. (laughs) There's a hair flip, so iconic. (laughs) And, 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 And the ingredients became such a big part and it became viral and people love it. And it it was, it was so loved. But for me, it was a lot deeper than just that. It was like, this is the basic of this recipe. It's all about the ingredients. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think that comes across too. And that's why people love you so much. I mean, the history behind ingredients is so powerful. And when you understand how to concoct a dish and understand actually what you're putting in it, it will likely come out. I don't want to say better. Maybe that's not the right word, but maybe better tasting. I don't know. 100%. And that is why we don't usually feel the need in Italy, both at home and in the restaurants, to add 15 different spices to the seasoning of anything. Because the Mm. ingredients, potency, flavor, and aromas are so intense that even a pomodoro and basil sauce with a drizzle of extra virgin olive oil, it's so Mm. simply beautiful and powerful that you want to let your tomato shine because it tastes so good, it tastes so sweet. Here, right. I see, I was just doing a collab in LA with someone, which I'm not going to tell it is because it's going to come out okay. soon. But he, he was like, this is what I put in my tomato sauce. And, and I was, I'm like, why are you putting this? You know, why uh-huh. are you putting all these dried herbs and all of this? Why don't we do it with these three ingredients that are fresh? And he had a vegetable garden. I was like, let's go in the vegetable garden. Yeah, what are what? you doing with the shelf bottled parsley? Yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, Do you have trouble finding ingredients here? Not at all. Not no? At all. No. Okay, that's good. No, and I talk about it. I'm writing a new cookbook. And I talk okay. about it in my new cookbook. This new cookbook is going to be an incredible journey into my my style of cooking, the importance oh, of okay. ingredients, the different dishes that span all over, and oh, how fun. to employ it and why. And I talk about agriculture. I talk about how I give I give people a hack on how to find the right ingredients, whatever you are. Oh, I like that a lot. Yeah, because you would think that the transition from coming to Italy to here, the high quality ingredients are kind of harder to find. You'd be surprised how many people in every state of America love agriculture. And and Mm -hmm. you just have to connect with those people in your state, in your city, in your surrounding, because there's so many people. There's a whole network of farmers across the states 
that really care mm. for the soil and they're really um, working to regenerate soil and to have mm-hmm. good soil to grow very high quality ingredients. And you'll be surprised how much of that there is under the surface of your grocery stores that, you know what I mean? They even yeah, provide the grocery stores with the ingredients. You could go directly to them and and work out your food deliveries and stuff, you know? Yeah, I'm really learning that. It's like talking to people how much they pay attention to food sourcing and regenerative farming and all that kind of stuff. And I've noticed because farmers markets get a bad rap. I've talked about this on this podcast before, but because you think it's more expensive. Yeah, not necessarily. You know what's more right. expensive? Hmm. Your health. There you go. That's very true. It can get very expensive. That's completely accurate. I never really thought of that. Yeah, it can get very expensive to have to deal with problems that come from the wrong foods or bad foods. Or you have to understand that you eat at least three times a day. Food and water are the primary, the primary energy sources for human beings. Right. You couldn't not drink or eat for very long. Yeah, no, um, that's... You know, yeah. And that, that is the basic. And if you think about that and you think about how much you rely upon food to survive and how you survive because of food and... Um, even your mental alertness, sometimes if you eat the wrong foods, it can make you uh, tired, uh, sleepy, uh, fog, give you fog, mental I've fog been there, yeah. and rashes or you know, overload certain organs because the food is so bad that your body has to work overtime to kind of get rid mm-hmm. of the stuff that you just input in. So on the long run, like your health is it's more valuable than maybe spending one or two or three more dollars. And the bills in the States for health care are very, very high. Oh, I've learned that. <laughs> yeah, they're very high. The bills are insane. Yeah, I think I've noticed we're very hooked on refined sugar, especially because it's quick, it's easy, it's a snack. I think if you just take the time to go to a farmer's market or make connections with your local farmers, then you could kind of alter your diet that way and get on natural sweets or natural sugars. I mean, if you think about it, it's very simple. There's not, you know, I know that there's a lot of conspiracy theory about the foods and this and that. I don't get into that. I get into facts and logic and science. Like if something makes sense to me, I do it. If something doesn't make sense, I don't do it. To me, anything which is manhandled uh, that then I have to put into my body and it's being created in a lab or whatever, it's clearly not going to be as good a genuine as something that grows on a tree or in the earth, right? I mean, it's kind of like, I'm like, you know, put one and one together, uh, like... Mm -hmm. And you can see it from the way you feel as well. You know, like if you have a fruit smoothie, a vegetable smoothie versus a candy bar, 
you're gonna feel different. And to me, that's all about what feels good for your body, your body being being in touch with your body's natural intuition. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm not saying I'm perfect. It was Halloween. I mm-hmm. stuffed my face with little candy. <laughs> I felt really bad. And I was messed up. I had a massive headache. I was feeling like nauseated for two days after because I just overdone it mm-hmm. on the candies. I'm very, I'm a glutton for food. I love food and flavors yeah. and some of these things are addictive and that's the worst part for me because some of the <laughs> savings in these things can create addiction and that's another problem that you don't want to have that's why i'm like stay with whole foods whole foods like things that grew right. from somewhere natural you know i i do i have an m M&M issue so i just can't let it into my household yeah it just so bad because I can it's so easy to just overindulge yeah I like though about your videos that you have this kind of mentality that cooking is fun and magical and that's how it kind of all comes through and people learn yeah how to cook but I read that you intend to be the Italian Martha Stewart I like that yeah I mean I was, I think that it's, it's great to, uh, to bring Italian culture. I mean, I'm sure you agree because you're Italian like me, but I think that there's a need, especially in the States for, for that Italian renaissance of food and the great recipes. And I have not seen a, a lot of authenticity my space on social media and now there's a lot of Italian creators that are bringing that just like me but I think for me I would love to bring more and more of my family's legacy my the things that I love the most my genuine secret sauces and my views on ingredients and ultimately to make people happy, to create a sense of family and connection around the kitchen table, uh, around the kitchen and the dinner tables, you know, like to have that sense of coming together, multiple generations, your kids, your your parents, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your cousins, your uncles, whatever, and create those magical moments where it's for the family. Are your kids helping you cook in the kitchen more? My kids are all incredible cooks of their own. And they all have... Really? That's amazing. Like my son, he is a meat specialist. My daughter, oh. Ellie, loves pasta. Oh, me my, too. My youngest loves fresh pasta making. And I mm. have I have some stuff coming up, which you're gonna like, um, mm-hmm. when they are involved. Oh, that's so adorable that all of them can carry that tradition on. Because that doesn't always happen. No, I mean, at first I wasn't sure I would go, 
I was going to bring my kids into this and I didn't. Yeah. I think my first year and a half of pasta queening around the world mm -hmm. um, was just me and my brother and my cousin. Um, so very much adult. Um, right. And then the kids, funnily enough, started their friends at school. My, my kids found out how well-known I was from their friends yeah. because they now wanted to come. So your mom is oh. the last queen. I want to come to your house. So they thought it was cool. Oh. So I got brownie points with the kids. Yeah, I was going to say, you're a cool mom. I'm a cool mom right now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't used to be a cool mom. But since I'm popular on TikTok and I have a humongous young audience. That's great. Humongous. Like when I did my book tour signing, um, I had a, I had like I had four, five, six year olds up to 90 year olds. Wow. I had a very like vast spectrum of of demographic really and but a huge one was young uh kids that want to be chefs um, um and they love pasta i mean who doesn't love pasta yeah who doesn't like every kid loves pasta so when my when my children's friends started saying your mom is the pasta queen do you know her video is going viral and they're like, they started thinking, oh, my mom's cool. So they're like, Ma, can I be in your video? And then they started wanting to oh, they um, wanted to. participate in my videos because they realized that I, it wasn't just an old person's, like, they <laughs> think I'm like, you are oh, not old. old. Yeah, they're like, you're old. I think as you get older, I used to think like 30 was old. And now as my sister's approaching that, I'm approaching, I'm like, that is so young. I remember when I turned 18 and I thought I was old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's where I'm getting it. I'm old. I'm 18. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's when I turned 21, I was like, I'm never going to have a fun birthday again. This yeah. is it. <laughs> yeah. So my kids were like, oh, my, you and your cooking, blah, blah. <laughs> and they love my food, of course. But they, they were like checking me doing videos and they're like, whatever. It's not cool. You know, I'm like, <laughs> now I'm like the cool mom. <laughs> you were always cool. They just took a while to realize. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Do you have any other projects or anything else that you'd like to speak on? I know you mentioned another cookbook. Well, I'm working on a cookbook. I can't say much because, again, my publisher is yeah. probably going to kill me. Mm-hmm. Because again, you know how they are. They're like, don't say anything until we announce it officially. Right. So <laughs> I love talking about my shit, but sorry. No, you can swear on this. I'm a cool mom. <laughs> You're a cool mom. You can swear and make pasta. 
um, but yeah, I, I, I am bound by people making me promise not to talk about anything unless, un- unless it's out there so that we can drive people to the things. But there's a lot going on. Yeah, and um, you have so many videos coming up too, so people can look forward to that. Yeah, like I have, not many people know because I am not so good at, at posting much about it, but I have this newsletter mm-hmm. and I have a lot of subscribers. Do you have a Rome guide? I actually I saw Rome that. Guide. People can go on my link in the IG bio and okay. they should subscribe to the newsletter because in the newsletter, mm-hmm. I give pieces of information and recipe, written recipes that otherwise are nowhere to be found. Not even in my cookbook that I released. Oh, I okay. want to keep it that way. And I have a lot, hundreds of thousands of subscribers that oh, I no. send two newsletters a week out. And they, and they get like little perks and things that... No, but it's nowhere else, not on my website, not on my social. So I think if there was one thing is like subscribe to my newsletters, because when there is something coming out, like when I release my merch and when I release my copper pots and pants, it Mm -hmm. mostly sold out on the newsletter. Really? I didn't even announce, it didn't even make it to social. It sold out. On wow. the newsletter. Because those are your loyal fans. It's the most loyal. So a lot of people write yeah. to me and say, when is your merch coming out and whatever? And I feel bad because we we, are, we do limited batches because we, we don't know how much is going to sell of something, right? We can't print 10,000 of something. So we mm-hmm. have certain amounts of, of quantities limited so that we don't over purchase and over order ourselves and first and foremost it goes to my subscribers on the newsletter because they're the most loyal and now it has happened four times that it sold out even before i can post it on social and it doesn't even make it to social because i can't sell it anymore right yeah right I would love some pasta fingers. I have to buy some for myself. Let's subscribe to a newsletter. Yeah. I don't know why. Basically, that's one thing that I would say. And even with limited releases or things that are coming up and special announcements, mm-hmm. I will always aim to go a week prior to anything to go on the newsletter subscribers and release it there first because those are the people that are the most loyal the deserve deserve the first dibs right first dibs i love it all right so i have a short game for you kind of to wrap up the whole podcast that i do with every guest if you're a four. yeah okay so normally i'm going to say popular foods or food trends right now and then you'll tell me if you're for or against it natural pass kind of thing just say four against it what's the quick sure. answer exactly or you could say smash or pass whatever you uh, how prefer. do you say smash or pass <laughs> yeah isn't that to do with sex though i don't want to be like pg it does R-rated okay because you know we'll do four or it gets <laughs> all right first one macaroni and cheese disapproved 
Really? No. Oh, and interesting. I mean, if I'm thinking, the first thing I thought is the boxed mac and cheese. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that's... is approved. You can make it yourself from scratch. That would be approved. Okay. Uh, second one. This is more of like an action, but adding extra seasonings to a pizza at a restaurant, like crumbs and cheese or curly flakes. Disapproved. That's what I thought. All right. Third one, we already talked about this. It's having espresso at any hour. Approved. Espresso is approved? Any hour, even at midnight, it's good. Oh, it's good okay. for you. All right. And then cappuccino is disapproved. Got it. <laughs> cappuccino past 11, disapproved. Disapproved. Uh, fourth one. This is something I actually saw, and I'm not sure you've done it, but grilled cacio e pepe. Which one? It's grilled cacio e pepe. What is that? I just saw that. It's so interesting. So they saute it on the grill after boiling it. What? Disapproved. Yeah. Yeah, I disapprove too. Fifth one. Protein-based pastas, which is a very American thing. I feel like chicken pasta, red lentil pasta. Disapproved. <laughs> and then six, we have fettuccine alfredo, which you also discussed. Fettuccine alfredo, there's a little uh, controversy about this. Mm -hmm. They were actually born and invented by a Roman chef. In, nine, in the beginning of the 1900s. I actually just talked about that recently with um, Jeremy Shack. He was telling me the same kind of thing. Yeah, so I actually went and found, tracked down mm -hmm. Alfredo's great-granddaughter. Really? In Rome. And I interviewed her and she also shared with me the authentic recipe oh, and how cool. you do it. That's so cool. So, yeah, it became popular in America because Alfredo was so good at cooking that he had a very popular restaurant amongst Hollywood actors that would be in Rome shooting for whatever reason. He was so loved as the king of fettuccine mm -hmm. that when he made a specific type of fettuccine with butter and parmigiano, this Hollywood actor loved, loved him so much, came to America, and then it started, they would look for it. Yeah. They were like, we should have fettuccine Alfredo, right? Mm-hmm the Alfredo style fettuccine and then it, it kind of like, I think it span off from there and then now they add chicken, shrimps, mushrooms, and but it's um, butter and parmigiano. Yeah, it's so simple. Do you have a video up on that? Yeah, okay. I will send you the link. Yeah, please do because I want to see that. That's so interesting to me. Very. Very. All right. So my last question for you, if there is one cooking appliance or utensil that you think everyone should splurge on, what would it be and why? 
one kitchen utensil mm -hmm. or appliance or I think a food processor okay as an appliance and as a utensil I would say a cheese grater Ooh, there's a lot of I've seen a few videos that people don't actually know how to use the cheese grater correctly. I know. Yeah. It's sad. It's so sad. It's sad. <laughs> and that's where we'll end. It. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so, so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to talk to me. I'm so glad we got to chat again. It's really fun. Yes. Anytime. You can check out Nadia Mano on Instagram at the underscore plastic queen or her TikTok account under the same username. And subscribe to my newsletter. And subscribe to her newsletter. Hey, fellow foodies. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave me a review. And while you're at it, make sure to follow me at Living for Food Pod on Instagram or TikTok or email me at livingforfoodpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you're cooking up this week, which guests you would like to see on the podcast, or tell me your opinions on the latest viral food trend. Until next time, 